Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley Sal, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. David Johnson, if you don't know by now, he's on the road to New Mexico to watch Eli play. He'll be back next Tuesday. So, Brad, he's back in the co-host chair. We did an update yesterday about Bryson Hurst, the latest commitment for Ole Miss football, four-star offensive lineman. So, check that out. And Brad's going to be a guest every single week. We're also going to do a post-game show starting next Monday. A lot to come. Nick Suss coming up today on the Modern Woman phone line. A lot to come. Brad, what's up, man? What's up, Ben? How's your week been? Been good. You know, just just a typical working working on some softball practice with my kids, doing a little work stuff. Um, I feel like you know softball is kind of our kind of our everyday activity here. With 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 my girls, they're starting to get good at it. I almost died on Wednesday. I, I heard the story. It was it was quite quite interesting. Did I tell you? Yeah, you told me. Damn it. I couldn't remember how many people or who I told. I I couldn't remember. You almost choked on a piece of chicken. Yes, yes. And I know that choking the chicken, I know that it means something else. But yes, I literally, and I'm using literally correctly, literally almost choked to death on some chicken. So I go to Adler's. See, here's the thing. This is what frustrates me. (laughs) You and I have talked about this since January eating right, and I did really good for the first three months and got off of it really bad, and now I'm back on it. I got past that first couple of days where you're fiending like a drug addict, fiending for something that you just love, whatever food it might be. That food that always is your kryptonite. I feel like that for me is like bunch of crunch. So I was fiending for it, but I pushed through, so I was proud of myself. And on Wednesday, here I am at Abner's eating grilled chicken, knowing I want to eat all the fried chicken, all the fries, sitting with Josh McCoy, Ole Miss Picks. Hadn't seen my buddy in a while. Having a nice lunch. Going to go pick up my dad, a birthday present at Rebel Rags. He's a huge Ole Miss guy. Today's his birthday. Happy birthday to my dad. Maybe visit some people in the Ole Miss Athletics Department. I just had a great Ole Miss day planned. Because Emily and the girls, they're in school. My youngest, she's going to kindergarten. I'm by myself. I don't know what to do with myself. I have a narrow esophagus. <laughs> it's a genetic <laughs> problem. That came from my mother. Me and my older brother, Danny, we have this problem. And the very last piece of chicken, I guess I rushed and I was talking because I talk like I do now. Too fast, too much at one time, and just tried to shovel the chicken in. And sure enough, it got stuck there. And when I got home, finally, it took about three hours to get it out. But I'm in my bathroom by my toilet in just my swim trunks. And apparently a home remedy is to get a Coke. And I haven't had a Coke since I was in 11th grade. I don't drink sodas, but there I was sipping on some Coke because apparently the carbonation helps break down the food. I love that this is where we started, but I just, it's been a whole deal. It was a day. <laughs> I'm sipping on it. First sip is okay. Second sip's pretty bad. And then the third sip, 
It couldn't get past what was stuck. I felt like I was choking to death, kind of put myself up against the toilet and pressed into my sternum as if I was giving myself the Heimlich maneuver. And the funniest part about this is I didn't go, oh my God, what if I die? I went, oh my God, if I die, this will be the best death story ever. None of you would have forgotten if my wife would have discovered me on the floor of our bathroom with a Coke throwing up everywhere by the toilet, having died because I choked on chicken. None of y'all would have forgotten that. There are worse ways to go. At least that would have been remembered. Here lies Ben <laughs> Garrett. He died choking on chicken. Abner says there's potential there. Now they have that little, that on their grilled chicken, they have the little rubbery part. I can see some people choking on that shit. But it was so good. It was the perfectly done, because when Abner's grilled chicken is done right, it's perfect. And I had to go and challenge my narrow esophagus. <laughs> so, yeah, that was my more, Wednesday. More importantly, thank goodness you're a male. Ah, and Brad would have come on here on Thursday. Sorry, folks. Um, Ben's not with me today. I regret to inform you that he passed away because he <laughs> choked on some chicken. <laughs> yeah that would not have been ideal i think it would have been great well what a way to start this is talk of champions i'm not going to talk to you at least publicly for the podcast anymore this week this is the last day we'll catch up again on tuesday maybe thursday i don't know other big developments that show up commitment happened on wednesday and you and i recorded maybe something like that happens but if that doesn't happen this will be the last time publicly that we talk so for you what has been the headline, the attention-grabbing headline in week three of fall camp practices? Well, I mean, I don't want to start out negative here, but I, I think that it was um, it's concerning hearing about the injury issues on the O-line um, on top of with the wide receiver crew. Um, it sounds like those guys have been banged up their camps. So it makes me a little concerned um, with the offense. Hopefully, hopefully, you know, obviously for game week we get everybody back. And ready to go, but but sometimes in camp, man, missing those valuable reps can lead to lead to a rusty start. Um, sounds like we didn't really do that well versus our defense, um, either today or yesterday, one of the two days. Um, but yeah, I don't know if that's good for the defense or if or if it's just a matter of us being injured like that. But yeah, it is a little, little concerning. I think that's really the, the the thing to look at is hey, are we going to be healthy for this first game? So um, yeah, that that's probably that's probably the biggest takeaway from this week. We don't know what the status of Orlando Umana is. We don't know the status of Braylon Brown. When Lane Kiffin was asked point blank about injuries, all he had to say was, no one that we expect to see significant playing time. You have to pay attention to the words. Would Braylon Brown fall into that? Fall under that umbrella? Probably not. Orlando Umana would. So is that good news for Orlando and kind of nothing for Braylon Brown, I don't know. But we've kind of hit that point in camp, that lull, the dog days of camp. They don't play until September 6th. So it's another full week of practices. I think they've started to turn towards Louisville. Even still, we've kind of hit that place, that wall to where, okay, it's time for a game. It's time for a game. Yeah, I would say we're, we're, we're dealing down more towards the end of camp here. I think that they'll probably practice. I don't know what their schedule is going to be, but but typically you'd want to you know, wrap it up here you know, the next day or two and give the guys a good couple days off to kind of come back for game week um, you know, ready to roll. So I would imagine they're going to give them, give them a little time off here at the end. Um, nothing, nothing, not like going home time off, more like you know a day or two to, to kind of get their legs back and then – start a normal a normal you know practice week so i think you're getting close to the end and i think you're right it's just time to play a game at this point um just to kind of see where where we're at and um you, you kind of want to keep guys healthy now it's it's you would not want to risk injury at this point in camp how is preparation different from camp for three weeks once you enter game week more or less for camp obviously you, you got a bunch of position battles going on you got you know it's just a different mindset it's more of a competition versus versus your own team you're trying to really cement your role on the team but but once once you get to the end of the camp it's, it's usually the coach's um job to kind of tell you hey where you stand a lot of times you have like a meeting um at the, at the end of camp or, or somewhere to let you know what your role is so 
that way you can kind of turn the page to, hey, I know what I have to do for this team. How do I prepare each week to kind of give our team the best chance to win? And whatever your role is, you know, you you accept it and do the best of your ability. You don't pout about it. If you don't like your role, you do, you know, you, you do something to change it, which is which is performing to way above what what they, you know, your your actual your actual role. So um yeah, it, it just turns into hey, you, you know what, um it's just it's just a different kind of preparation because you're because you're not you're not really going against your own team. You're going against another team or preparing to go against another team. What questions remain unanswered going into game week? Because Ole Miss doesn't play on Saturday, but it's game week next week. So what questions remain unanswered, if any? Well, I think that, um, you know, I, I still think tight end, you know, obviously you've, you've heard, you know, the Chase Rogers guy, I think his name is, is, is kind of emerged and, and gave him some, something to look at. But I still think, I still think during the games, um, that's going to kind of play itself out. We're going to have to see who that guy's going to be, and I still think that on defense. I mean, um, yeah, you hear, you you heard the first week they they were struggling, whatever. Then all of a sudden they, they're doing better. I still think that those questions will not be answered um, until we actually play a game or two, maybe maybe even until we get to SEC play. But I, I feel like defense still is one of those things where Ole Miss is so scarred. Um, you, I'm going to have to see it on the field, and I'm going to have to see it um, see it live before I believe any kind of defensive reporting. I'm kind of the same way. I want to see it to believe it, that Ole Miss is going to improve. I feel like we always get these kind of stories in the preseason. It's always the same thing. Everybody's bigger, faster, and stronger. And even when the times come that the coaches are uncharacteristically honest, and I'm not calling them liars, but there is a little bit of gamesmanship when it comes to providing quotes to the media after practice, especially practices in which we only get to see a couple of periods. So if Lane Kiffin, raw emotion after a practice, pissed off about a defense, comes in and just lights him up, that's closer to the truth than, oh, okay, a day later, okay. I went back and watched the film. They were a little bit better. The ones and twos, you know, the twos didn't have a great day, but the ones were really good. I don't know much, but I know this. Out there at practice, you cannot really differentiate between the first team and the second team. Now, I'm not saying Lane Kiffin doesn't know who his first team defense is. I'm just saying everybody's rotating in almost equally with the first and second team. They're mixing and matching. There's a first group that runs out there, but almost a play or two later, it's mass wholesale changes. So it's a little bit, not disingenuous, but it's a little bit of gamesmanship to say a couple of days later or the next day, whenever we talk to them. Oh, you know what? They were actually pretty good. No, they weren't. I've heard this stuff before. I've seen this movie before. I know how it is. So I'm just going to wait and think they're going to be better, but I'm not going to try to figure out what measure of better that means. As far as I don't want to go into the game saying, you know what? They got Jake Springer and Otis Reese and Keydron Smith as a safety. That's better than a cornerback. Jalen Jones in the sixth year. That's got to play in. They got two great JUCOs and Isaiah Ite and Jamon Gordon. T. Tisdale's always looked the part. Sam Williams, man, if he could just stay healthy, I'm just not going to play that game. I do think they have much better talent than they've had in quite some time defensively. But a lot of it's really young, and a lot of it's in the secondary. And if they cannot, along the defensive line, get consistent pressure, it won't matter. It won't matter. But you can make up for that with a secondary that's opportunistic, that forces turnovers. Yeah, they're going to give up a lot of points and yards. They're going to give over 30 points, give up over 500 yards, I don't know, whatever's a lot to you. But they're top three, top four in the SEC in turnovers. That's good enough. For this office, that's good enough. Yeah, I just think I think going into this season, um, what what people need to do is that they need to they need to give their expectations a clean slate because um, they, they, there's one thing that's for sure is there's no guarantee, and I know everybody has us you know pretty much set in stone that the offense is going to be awesome again, that the defense is you know we'll see, but you know you, there's there's no guarantee in anything, man. I mean. The offense, the offense could really be bad, and we we just don't know. I just think it's one of those things where, where when we go into the season, you need to, you need to. It's more of a show me kind of deal. Offense has to reprove itself. 
defense has to has to prove itself and then then let the chips fall where they may you, you know you'll, you'll know pretty quickly where where we're at on both sides of the ball but yeah i just think the expectations um you know just just need to be just need to be a, a clean mind and, and judge this team based off what they what they are this year not what they've done in the past um because i mean you know you just never know man i mean that's that's the that's the tricky part about these teams you're right we hear the same stuff every year Hey, so and so looks good. Hey, the defense is looking improved. When you get out there in the games, you, you just you just don't know, you know. So, I think it'll be an exciting time for us to get a chance to to look at this team and create new judgment. I mean, this is a totally, totally new ball team, um, ball club. And every year that I've been on a team that was the same the year before, um, even if it was the same players, it's it's still it's still a different vibe, different season, different situation. So. Um, you know, we just don't know what to expect at this point. And, uh, you know, you, you assume offense can be good. Defense should be improved. So, um, but, but, you know, but nothing's a guarantee, man. Nothing. Everybody's undefeated in August. Everybody's optimistic in August. This is in no way me blowing up Brad's spot. I just remember it because it was my early days on this beat. Going into that year that y'all only won two games, I will sit with you in the old team meeting room. That was a really dumpy team meeting room. And that's when they used to just bring a bunch of players at one time, and we'd all just spend our little bits of time with them. It was not this whole gangbang type of thing. And I was sitting with you, and I was asking about the quarterback battle. And you were so desperate <laughs> to get a little bit of the old magic back that you really were throwing your full support behind Zach Stout. And you said, look, I'm not going to say he's going to be a superstar or anything. I don't know. But when I see him, I see that Jevin Sneed mold that I haven't seen in a long time. And then, of course, it went really bad. So, yes, you kind of get this tunnel vision when you're in the bubble. And I consider myself in the bubble. I don't know much about other teams. I saw, for example, my buddy Barrett Salee. He ranked Ole Miss third in the SEC West. He's got LSU 1 and Alabama 2. A lot of people thought, how could you possibly rank LSU 1? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what uh, makes LSU good to people. So I don't pretend to be some expert about every other school, every other team. So when you get in that bubble, it becomes dangerous. Yes, Keydron Smith looks really good as a safety. But what the hell do I know? Yeah, it's hard to know, man. I mean, and, and another thing, I mean, you go back to even those Zach Stout days. I mean, he looked awesome out in practice well. You know, truth be told, look what he was had, going against. Yeah, That's right. Look what he was going against. So we're we're hitting deep balls over the top. Well, guess what? Every other team hit 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 deep balls over the top as well. So, yeah, you you know, you just you just don't know. You get kind of skewed by practicing against your own team, and um, you don't know if our defense our defense could have gotten their ass kicked all camp, but it could it be just how good our offense is, or you know, could our our defense could be bad. It's just one of those things, man. I mean, I'm telling you, it has to settle itself on the field, and we'll know within the first couple of weeks what kind of team we have, and where we need to improve, but it's just, um, you know, making it, I feel like making assumptions and, and expecting certain outcomes is what creates a lot of, uh, a lot of pissed off fans. And, and, um, you know, it, it's better to go into it and think, Hey, you know, let's, um, let, let's, let's see what, what we got and let's not, you know, put anything on anybody. Cause I mean, you look at the offense side of the ball, we're losing, you know, we are losing some good players from last year. We're losing a guy's about to start for the green Bay Packers on the O line. And, you're looking at a receiver that's just making all kinds of headlines in camp. Um, you know, it's just, it's one of those things you are losing a couple of pieces, but at the same time, there's still high expectations there. And, and I expect us to be good, but you know, you just got to go into it with, um, with a clean mindset and just say, Hey, you know, just show me, just confirm it rather than going into it. You know, we only, we, we come out the first game, only get 450 yards and score 21 or 28 points and everybody's freaking out, you know, <laughs> over, over an offense. that's it's not that good. I mean, you just know how, you know how it goes. We'll get right back to Bradley Sal in this edition of Talk of Champions with Nick Suss of the Jackson Clarion Ledger coming up on the Modern Woodman phone line after I tell you briefly about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford and Cheney's Pharmacy, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. What's your schedule looking like this fall? Don't answer that. I already know. Ole Miss football Saturdays, right? It's all back, and you're going to be there. But when you're making those trips, why not go in style? In the dream car, truck, or Jeep you've always wanted, well, the only place to go for your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep is Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. 
from new and used sales to parts and service. Allen Samuels of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. And what separates Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from every other dealership is Allen Samuels aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. They're going to get you into your dream car at a price point you can afford, and the process is going to be as seamless as possible. Most everyone who's listened to this podcast should know by now. I only vouch for sponsors I truly believe in. Well, Alan Samuels has been with me the longest. I myself have bought a car from Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, and there's no better car buying experience. Make sure to ask for Byron or Mason and tell them that Talk of Champions sent you so that you can take advantage of any one or more of the services Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford provides. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. That's 662-234-8000. It's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. It's the most wonderful time of the year. No, it's not Christmas time. It's football season, specifically Ole Miss football season. You want to be there, right? In the Grove, in Vaught-Hemingway Stadium, cheering on the Rebels every single Saturday. The only way to do that is to make sure you're healthy, to take care of yourself, to have a pharmacy that you can trust. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years, as red and blue as the Rebels themselves. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. Hands down, it's not close. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221. Or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. Make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. How much will we know after the first game? How long does it take before you know the team that you have? I think I think we'll know a lot. I think this this first game is is a, is a you know sizable opponent. It's not like we're playing a small school. It'll be a it'll be an opponent that has good good solid players across the field. And not not saying they're going to be a good team or or bad team. They're just like us. They don't know as well. But um, you know, we come out there and light them up versus a you know a a, a solid program. I think it's safe to say we're at, got a pretty good team. Um, pretty solid team, but if you know if it's a close game and you know it, which very very well may maybe you I think you still go where it's like hey I gotta have a little more time, you know so and then then you'll know later on about five games in if Louisville's five and zero oh, and you know whatever or vice versa then we'll know whether you know it was it was it was the the opponent or or if it was us so yeah I, I think if we come out there and light them up I think you can yeah you can you can certainly see what what kind of talented team we're gonna have. What would constitute a real red flag about this team against Louisville? Um, I think if we come out there and it's like last year where, you know, we're looking at 40 something to 40 something or 52 to 40. I think, I think you're, I think, I think my, I will have a flag, you know, that that'll be so red. It'll be purple. I mean, it'll be, I would be very alarmed if our, if our defense goes out there and just gets shredded, I would be, um, I, I would lower my expectations by a ton. If Matt Corral went out there and threw for 300-something yards, but three touchdowns, but three interceptions, Ole Miss squeaks by, 31-28. to 28. Defensively, you come out of that going, huh, it's pretty good. Couldn't really ask for more than that. And we can't forget that Ole Miss defensively was pretty damn good against Indiana. Indiana ain't very good, but that was the best game they've played. So in that game, Ole Miss winning 31 to 28. Defensively, you're pumped. Offensively, oh man. It's not gonna be like that against Alabama and LSU and da 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 da. So that's where you could start to figure out, or at least get an idea, paint a picture of what the team could potentially be. And that's not to say that the next week. Or whoever they play in week, they'll be three and zero going in Alabama, probably. If they're three and zero going in Alabama. Does it matter how they got there? I'm not so sure, and that's why I asked the whole question: When will you know? Because I think that there's going to be overreaction. There always is after the season opener. 
And even if it's 31 to 28, even if Ole Miss has a little bit of a stumble in game two or three, don't look all that crisp. As long as they get to 3-0 going in Alabama, they're right where they need to be. And that's where you have to trust Lane Kiffin, this coaching staff, in the process. Because there is a lot of unknown, even though this has been a very boring camp. Now, we've done the best we can to cover the hell out of it at the Ole Miss Spirit. OleMissSpirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports, the website that I write for. But there hasn't been a sexy quarterback battle. There hasn't been a Laramie Tunsil that shows up on campus, or Robert Kimdichie, or Laquan, or A.J. Brown. There's some good freshmen, really good freshmen. Like, I love Tysheem Johnson, Markevious Brown, Trey Washington, DeMarco Williams. There are a lot of good freshmen. Braylon Brown, Brandon Buckhalter, Hudson Wolf. A lot of guys that get you excited. Even still, there's nothing particularly sexy out there from a media standpoint, from a fan perspective, that gets you hyped up. You know what this team is. You're just waiting to see it defensively. Can they improve? We know all the stories. We know everything about them. Even still, you got to give them time. I don't think we've really learned much of anything in fall camp. And we really won't know, really won't know, until they play Alabama. That's when you'll know. Because last year against Alabama, isn't that when we knew that they're a little bit better than we give them credit for? Yeah, they got some fortuitous bounces against Kentucky. But they still beat Kentucky. That Alabama game, when it was just a track race, going back and forth between those teams, up and down the field, that's when we knew. And I feel like this Alabama game, same thing. Yeah, I think my antennas went up pretty high for the Florida game, the talent-wise, because I mean, Florida was ranked so high. And, That's true. You know, we, we really didn't look outmatched in that game. They were just, we obviously, our defense did. But Yeah, then, um, though, Kyle Pitts doing what he did. Yeah, which was, which was, out, which was crazy. Video game stuff. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I saw it right there. I was like, man, well, we have potential to, I mean, once we're out playing the number five team in the nation, to be a, you know, to be a quality SEC school. But, you know, I, th- I think one thing that, that we're losing, that we could be losing sight of here a little bit is, you know, our mindset is kind of skewed to the old Ole Miss view, whereas now That's right. the staff, staff that we have in hand with Lane Kiffin and Jeff Levy and and, and all these guys that, that are not only recruiting their asses off during camp and bringing in players, but they're just winners, man. Like, like they've only won where they've been. and The we uh, are Ole Miss stuff does not matter yeah, to them in the league. Exactly. That, that, that's, what, that's what I'm getting at here, man. I mean, I think the – the, the the old Ole Miss worry, which we all have, because we're so scarred over the years from from all completely I, justified. Yeah, I, I just think this staff is a different different ball game. This is this is a, this is a A plus plus staff, um, five star guys. They um that they're not going to handle no losing. And, and if there were some kind of law or some kind of um, issue that they're you know they're either going to get someone in there that can do it or or um you know or it's going to be a you know they're they're, they're going to get it right. They're going to fix it. They're going to they're going to have this team perform and they're just too good not to. That's all they've ever done. So why would we assume that they're going to, you know, have a law law with, um, with the staff that randomly with, with the same team coming back. That's so well said. And it's a great point. And that's why I say, trust the process, trust, trust this coaching staff. And then Alabama, we'll see. But you're right. The, we are all Miss stuff. I think a lot of this is just preseason jitters for everybody. And they're so used to this with Ole Miss. The question is this. With Matt Corral, with Lane Kiffin, with this offense, what we expect to be a better defense, whatever that looks like, if they don't get to Atlanta this year, what better shot are they going to have in the next couple of years? I don't, I don't know. You can quickly turn things around. It's not like Ole Miss will lose all this talent. And they could lose a lot offensively and lose all that talent and then just collapse that's not going to happen not with Lane Kiffin not with the advent of the transfer portal that's not going to happen there's a quarterback or quarterbacks across the country on good teams look at those programs that have over recruited at that position and there's going to be a guy or two that are left out in the cold and I think Ole Miss could very well be a candidate 
to get one of those kids once they, once they inevitably transfer out. So they're not going to bottom out. But this is the best collection of talent they've had to really make or take their shot. To really take their shot. 2016, they should have been there. They should have been there. And I'm looking at this team, after all the hell that everybody's gone through, this whole program has gone through, and that's not just the team and the coaches. Well, not these coaches. But it's just not the team. It's the fans. It's the media. It's everybody. program wasn't very fun to cover for a long time. Now it's fun to cover. There are expectations. They're predicted to be a fun team, a mystery team to potentially contend for the college football playoff. I don't know if I'm going to be buying into that all that much. It feels a little rich for me. But they could still make it to Atlanta by winning the right nine games. And if not now, win. This feels like the best chance. And I know that's a lot. That's a lot. And Alabama's the boogeyman. The boogeyman in the closet. That's never going away. Y'all know he's there. But does it not feel like that this year? If not this year, win. Win. I don't know. I, I think 100% this is this is our, our best shot within the next couple of years to make it to Atlanta. And, and the reason being is this. When's the last time Ole Miss has came into the season with a player that is that is at quarterback ranked inside the top 20 in college football players um, with essentially your whole team coming back? And then, I mean, not, not only that, Every other school that that is in the Western that is losing a lot of talent. Now, I'm not saying they're not going to replace that talent, but they're losing. You know, out the, the top contender is losing seven first round picks off. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course they have other guys, but it's I Alabama. Not, they're going to restock, it, it, yeah. But what does that look like? 100, 100. But with those seven rounders last year, we were a bad snap away from beating them. Okay, we have the same team coming back. You got to think that game's going to be tight, and there's going to be a chance there to win. You know, and, and I, I just think if you if you look at all, and I know this sounds like you know red and blue goggles, I get it, but we have a quarterback that that has a chance to be a if he plays his ass off to be a top ten pick, which which is which is a big deal. So we we won't have this opportunity for the next couple of years because we'll be developing a quarterback or you know trying to recruit a transfer or whatever. Um, you know, I, I just think our best shots now with with a lot of the returning pieces. I think a lot of it rides on, hey, what kind of defense is going to show up? Well, you know, I, I know we shouldn't expect things, but I mean, it can't get any worse than that. I mean, even a slightly, even a slightly improved defense will, will could get us over the top. I can hear the groans from Ole Miss fans. I can hear them. I really can. Oh God, here we go again. But then you go <laughs> back to what you said. Do you trust Lane Kiffin? It feels different with Lane Kiffin. He's going to say to us, media people, all you fans that try to dissect everything, try to look back at the history, this, that, and the other, and shrug his shoulders. That's what he does. Uh, okay. All right. He believes he's going into every game to win, and he's going to win. There is no, we're Ole Miss, they're Alabama. There's none of that with him. That's just not how he operates. So the past... Let it die. At least the best you can. Because I know it's always going to be there. The scar tissue, it's there. There's no wiping it away. But at least know that the head coach is the perfect head coach for the Ole Miss fan from that perspective. He does not care one iota. Just at all, any, about we are Ole Miss stuff, the past stuff. He just doesn't care. So we can talk about that, and you can go, oh, my God, that's a lot to put on this team going into this year, a week out from game week, preparing for the opener. Really, this is the best chance to get to Atlanta in quite some time? Well, yeah. And I promise you, that's how Lane Kiffin's thinking, too. That's how this coaching staff is thinking. They're not thinking to themselves, oh, yeah, just get seven, eight wins. No, no, no. And it's not just because they're the coaches of this team. They look at this team and say, hey, we got this, we got this, we got this. They believe it. I'm not telling you as an Ole Miss fan to believe it. I'm telling you, trust the process. And to touch on the point, I mean, if you think about it by position group, yeah, you have a few linemen that are draft picks. You have a quarterback that could be a, you know, a top pick if he plays well. You have a, a running back 
room that has three three guys that could potentially be NFL guys. Um, you know, wide receiver is is probably where we still have a bunch of guys returning there, but you you can see someone emerging from there. So, I mean, there Ole Miss has got some legit guys on this team. Now, I, I think on defense, you know, is kind of the question, but you know, there hasn't been many times you know, coming into a season where we've had this kind of talent, you know, on our roster and they've all played together. And like, like we said, you know, the, the other teams are, are losing quite a bit. So, I mean, I, listen, man, I mean, it's, I think it's there for the taking. And I, I really, I really think that you can't name me a better time, you know, uh, than, than, than where, where we're at now as far as talent and, and quarterback wise. So, um, yeah, I think, I think it's realistic to, to think that if it happened, I wouldn't be shocked. Now, I'm not saying it's going to, but you know, if you look up and, and we're right there in the race, I, I would not be shocked one bit. It's time for a game. It's just time for a game. We've hit the wall. It's official. We've hit the wall. If I'd have died choking on chicken, how long would it have taken you to laugh about it? Man, I, I, I would have thought it was odd. So I probably <laughs> wouldn't laugh, but I would have been like, man... Um, yeah, what, what? How dry was that Abner's chicken? I mean, that was that's. I love Abner's. It's not your fault, yeah. Abner's. It's mine. <laughs> I mean, was the chicken at least in a wrap, or was it just a straight? It was just straight stri- chicken. It was great. Oh, just good. six chicken strips. It was great. It was great. Oh, yeah. <sighs> Damn my genetics. No one would have forgotten how Ben Garrett died. Ah, all right. Well, we got to get to the Modern Woman phone line. Speak to Nick Suss. He's Bradley South. Thank you, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. See you, Ben. Howdy, Toddy. If you haven't already, subscribe, review, talk of champions in iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review after this show. Leave a five-star review. It's also available on SoundCloud and Spotify, Amazon Music. Wherever you get your podcast, just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omsspirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports for the very best coverage of Ole Miss Fall Camp. Before we jump to Nick Suss on the Modern Woman phone line, let's hear from BNA Bank and Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Are you looking for a career change? Maybe COVID threw you for a loop. Maybe it's time that you did something else. Maybe you're just tired of working nine to five for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else. Well, our phone line sponsor, Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, is looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary. You do have to be a resident of Mississippi, but what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. Don't wait around anymore. It's time to make a change. So for more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas Chandler today directly through Facebook or his number at 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. Make the change. Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, the title sponsor of Talk of Champions. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Going now to the Modern Woodman Phone Line to speak to Nick Suss. He covers Ole Miss for the Jackson Clarion Ledger. Hey, buddy. What's up? Not too much, buddy. Glad to, glad to be back on the show. Thanks for coming on. Are you staying cool out there at practice? In there now. When we get to watch practice, it's inside. So air conditioning was a great invention, and I, I stand by its importance. What do we know for sure about Ole Miss football three weeks in, and what do we still have questions about? I I would say the thing we know for sure is that there are certainly more bodies on defense. And the question comes down to, does that end up uh, mattering? 
Uh, I, I think that they're going to be improved on defense, and I think that the offense is going to be more or less the same. I think the offense probably takes a slight step back just because I think all offensive numbers were inflated last year across the entire country just based off of pandemic uncertainty. But I think the offense is still going to be mostly what it was. The The big question is, does the defense take that step forward? And I, I think having those added bodies in the mix is going to be a big, big deal. But they still need to have top-level guys they can trust. And right now I can probably only identify three or four guys on this defense who I think uh, can qualify as like a true top-level SEC-type starter. Going into fall camp, what were you most intrigued by? And what have you learned about whatever you were most intrigued by? Oh, I think that I'd be lying if I didn't say the John Rice Plumley experiment was my big piece of intrigue. And unfortunately, haven't learned too much about that because of the uh, nagging injuries he's dealt with. But I think he's still going to be a serviceable to pretty good option as a receiver. But I, I think that I've also just been insanely intrigued by the way Ole Miss is playing safety this year. Um, moving Keydron Smith over there and adding Jake Springer and getting Otis Reese for a full season along with AJ Finley and along with Jalen Jordan and Tylen Knight is kind of your slot dime guys. That's a lot of bodies back there. And it seems like you could make an argument that their five best DBs are all safeties, which is an interesting way to organize a defense. But, but I, I'm just fascinated every time I get to see them line up because they're going to have a lot of interesting talent at a position that can be used a lot of different ways. Guys in the box, guys playing deep center field, guys playing slot corner almost. There's going to be a lot of different values for, for a very versatile group. If you had to venture a guess who the starters are for Louisville in the defensive backfield, what would you say? Oh gosh, I would guess that at corner it's probably Jalen Jones and Dean Leonard. And then depending on if they start three or four uh, guys at safety and slot, it's going to be some combination of Jake Springer, Otis Reese, AJ Finley, and Tylen Knight. I, I don't know if they'll start with six DBs. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But I've seen I've seen Tylen Knight do a lot of lining up with the first team. To, and, and with his versatility, a lot of that I mean, sometimes he's coming off the edge and sometimes he's staying as a slot corner. But him and Jalen Jordan are two guys that I've really liked watching this spring because they can be used in so many different ways and it kind of defies the conventional depth chart projection type story because it's really hard to make a depth chart when you have starters who don't play a fixed position. Kind of surprising because I feel like Keydron Smith has been one of the most consistently productive players in fall camp so far. Yes, yeah, and, and I don't think that's a knock on him. Uh, I think that situationally he is one of the better cover players this team has and just a thing that I'll have to get used to as a football fan and a football analyst. We've heard for years about third down specialists at running back and third down specialists at pass rush. Keetron Smith strikes me as somebody who might end up being a third down specialist as a defensive back. Uh, maybe on first and second down, if he's not totally 100% ready to be in the box as a safety yet, they they favor somebody like Jake Springer or Otis Reese who has more experience playing downhill. But if they need somebody to play deep on a third and long or on an obvious passing down, they sub him in. I, I don't know. It, it's really hard to make projections. I was actually trying to put together a depth chart before we started recording this. I was just trying to do something for my own uh, work and for my own use. And, and I just, when you get to the defensive backfield and the defensive line, those are two position groups that are incredibly tough to, to figure out just because situationally they rotate more than they have that starters, I think. Well, the deal with Keydron, and I understand that defensive tackles, total tackles, can be misleading. But the thing with Keydron is he was number two on the team last year behind Jacquez Jones as far as tackles. A lot of that had to do with not being very good at all on the front end. But Keydron could mix it up. He can stick his head in there and make tackles against the run game. He can. I, I give him that. And so can AJ Finley, who is somebody else I didn't mention as guys who can play in the box, which is again why I'm 
really intrigued by the safeties, but I, I think the limitations of this secondary are going to come down to how good the corners can be and what the gap is between Jalen Jones, Dean Leonard, Miles Battle, Ja'Cory Hawkins compared to Tysheem Johnson and Marquevious Brown and MJ Daniels and Trey Washington and those freshmen. Because I, I think you're going to have to lean a lot on freshmen at corner when you're in the SEC. That could turn out really well, or it could turn out to be a, a tough gamble. Is Chance Campbell an improvement at linebacker? Uh, maybe. Uh, again, I, I have no clue. Jaquez Jones was obviously a really valuable, important player. Uh, and I don't think that Chance Campbell is going to be used in the same way as Jaquez. But I do think that we go back to the buzzword of versatility and situational uh, usage. Chance Campbell can probably play a little bit more fluid in the defense, um, can probably fit what the Durkin and Partridge style of defense is a little more than somebody who can just play the Sam or just play the Mike. And I think with that versatility, that'll allow Lakia Henry and Momo Sonogo to play a little bit more varied and it'll allow Ashanti Sistrunk to get some reps as a coverage linebacker. And you'll see Daylon Gill probably get a few reps as a coverage linebacker. And I think that having Chance Campbell allows that flexibility where you can sub and have players fresher instead of having, you know, your same three linebackers rotate two on the field at the same time and they're playing 60 snaps a game. Who leads Ole Miss in sacks? Uh, I mean, probably Sam Williams, but I wouldn't be shocked if it's Cedric Johnson. Yeah, I was going to say Cedric Johnson. It was just basically a setup question to get you to say Cedric Johnson because that's the top guy of Ben's guys. Yeah, no, Cedric's a good player. And I think that based off what we saw, in the LSU and, and Indiana games last year, I think he's going to make a difference. I mean, if you get three good games of Sam Williams, he can finish with six or seven sacks pretty easy just because we've seen over the last two years when he's on, he is very, very on. But with him, the, the trouble is getting him to play that consistent level of quality game in, game out. And if he does that, I mean, he's got a chance to be, the best player on this defense, but I haven't seen that consistency yet. And you haven't either. And I guess that's kind of why it's hard to predict him as the guy, even though he has led the team in sacks two years in a row. Who leads Ole Miss in interceptions? And do they get more than six combined? I think they'll get more than six combined this year. Um, I, I have no clue. It could be AJ Finley again. For all we know, it could be DeAndre Prince again. I believe he led them in 2019 and then didn't play in 2020. Um, but I would think that just based off of how the way Otis Reese plays and the way he tends to attack defensively and take those risks, I think he is the most likely to sell out for interceptions. Uh, maybe that means he gets beat every once in a while, but I do think he'll, uh, I think he'll probably get his hand on the ball quite a bit. Who has more receiving yards, John Rice Plumley or Jerrion Ely? That's a tough one. Oh, that is a tough one. I think that I think I'm going to go with Plumley, but I will say my either boldest or second boldest take about this Ole Miss team is that Jerrion Ely is going to be the guy, even more so than Matt Corral. I think that in the same way that last year, Matt Corral was very, very good, but Elijah Moore was the guy. I think that that's kind of what Jerry on's going to do. I think that I have written down somewhere. Let's look at my notes in his last two years. Jerry on has touched the ball 286 times. My question is, does he pass that this year alone? Like, I think he's going to touch the ball a ton. Who has more rushing yards, Snoop Connor or Henry Parrish? Um, I think that Henry Parrish will have more yards, but I think Snoop will have more touchdowns. Yeah, that's about a good trade-off right there. Because he's more of a short yards guy for this offense, even though I think he goes anywhere else, maybe drops down to a Southern Miss, he's easily a three-down rusher. Yeah, no, and I think Snoop Connor's a good running back. I think that yeah, I love all him. three of these guys have their merits. I, but yeah, I think that just based on Snoop is not going to be getting the carries when they're going for a breakout run. He'll get some first and 10 carries, but I think that more often than not, he's going to be getting the ball when Ole Miss is already within the 20-yard line. Is there a player that you came into fall camp 
had him written down in your notes as keep an eye on this guy, and you're surprised by how little you've heard about him? Um, yeah, probably. I'm, I'm trying to think of guys who it's not because of injuries, but mine's Jonathan Mingo. Yeah. Jonathan Mingo. Um, he's going to be probably the third or fourth best receiver on this team. And there's nothing wrong with that. Just, I don't know. I, I often wonder how his career looks different. If he chose any other number coming out of high school. I love the number discussion. Because there is something to it. Yeah, I, I mean, I just, it's, there's a reason nobody's wearing number eight this year. You can't be a wide I receiver just, and wear I number guess. one. You just can't. Unless, if you do, you better be good immediately. And you better be good every single year. And I think that uh, Jonathan Mingo, I mean, the issue with him, I, it's not even an issue. If you look at his, his uh, production last year, I think that something like 60 or 70% of his catches came on first down which is a really weird role to have because a lot of the times if you're catching passes on first down, that means the quarterback is throwing sideways and you're barreling forward. Uh, And there's nothing wrong with that. If you can average eight yards on first down, you're in a really good position. But in the same way that last year, Braylon Sanders only caught deep balls. And in the same way that last year, Ontario Drummond was really only used between the 40 yard lines, somebody's going to need to be the every down receiver. And and I just don't know which guy that's going to be. You would say Braylon Sanders, but the injury history is a problem. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm trying to look at upside plays at wide receiver because I like a lot of guys, but who's got the most upside. That's where the debate comes in. Well, health is, going to be a factor that uh, Braylon Brown probably has the most upside, Yeah, but we will see if and when Braylon plays this year. Um, beyond that, you love Dennis's speed, but Dennis just hasn't put it together the first two years. I looked at last um, year's stats, no catches, none. Yeah. Yeah. And then I just, I don't know what to expect out of Jacor Pearson. I don't know what to expect out of Quay Davis. And I like the idea of J.J. Henry a bunch, but I really, really don't know what to expect out of a guy his size, his stature as a true freshman. The signs of summer are here. Freshly mowed grass, days in the water at the ballpark, and all the rest on the golf course. Well, that's how we do it over here at Oxford and Ole Miss anyway. And PXG Golf Apparel is here to make sure you're locked and loaded for round after round at University Course or Oxford Country Club. PXG has taken its mission to create the most high-quality, high-performance golf clubs in the game to their new line of apparel as well. With PXG Apparel, there's something for everyone, from pants, polos, and sweaters to hats, joggers, and skirts. You'll usually find me with a hat on my head, and PXG has nailed the fitted breathable, and my navy goes with pretty much anything. So don't wait another second. Elevate your style game on and off the course with the PXG Spring Summer 2024 Collection. Head over to pxg.com slash TOC and use promo code TOC for Talk of Champions at checkout to save 10% on all apparel. That's pxg.com slash TOC, code TOC for Talk of Champions to save 10% on apparel. PXG, a proud sponsor of the Talk of Champions podcast network. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay, I'm looking at the offensive stats. You had this in an article. Olmus returns offensively 99.9% of its passing yards, 97.2% of its rushing yards. They were number three in the country in yards per game, number seven in passing yards, number 26 in rushing yards, and number 14 in points. That's about as good as it can get. But for an offense yeah. that expects to be even better without Elijah Moore, without Kenny Yeboah, but how can you be much better than that? Oh, I, I mean, I, I think at the bottom of that same article, I make the point that if you're being realistic, you kind of have to assume this offense is going to take a small step back. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. 
because when you averaged, I think last year it was 39.1 points per game, you can fall to 36 or 37 and still be a great, great offense. The problem is going to be just purely matchup and schematic because if the passing attack doesn't have that added dimension that Elijah gave it, then your rushing attack, which is based on volume and not efficiency, I think that that's something that's missed a lot. Your rushing attack becomes less reliable because defenses can sit on it more. And Ole Miss was so effective running the ball last year because they ran the ball a ton. I think they ran the ball the sixth most in college football in just pure attempt while still being a wildly effective passing offense. If you run the ball that much and your passing offense can't counter that, that's when teams start forcing a lot more punts, a lot more three and outs. So I don't know if that's kind of the concern with the offense. I, I think that things will, I give them the benefit of the doubt simply because Jeff Levy's never coached a bad offense and Lane Kiffin's never coached a bad offense. And these offenses have the reputation they do for a reason. But that is, if you do have to play devil's advocate flip side, that's what you do have to be concerned about. Is the only improvement for Matt Corral just not having two disaster games? Oh, yeah. I mean, for as good as he was last year, even hard to call that LSU game a disaster game. It was a disaster half in a lot of ways. But, yeah, I think that Corral is pretty much the guy he was. Uh, and I think that's good. I think that he probably will end up being either the best or second best quarterback in the SEC by year's end. But yeah, if he can if he can eliminate two disaster games, the only thing that'll stop him from getting every postseason accolade is Ole Miss's defense. If it's not up to that. who could be the number one if it's not Matt Corral? Oh, I'm I'm a big JT Daniels guy. I, I really knew it. I knew it. Why? Why do I like him? Yes. Oh, anecdotally, uh, I was at the Manning Academy in 2019, and every single great, great quarterback in college football was there. We're talking Trevor Lawrence was there. Joe Burrow was there. Tua was there. Justin Herbert was there. And they all had to do this drill where they had like some 10-year-old kid running a streak route, and they all just had to just throw a deep ball to a 10-year-old. And I watched JT Daniels throw one ball in that drill and thought, oh, yeah, no, he's he's a he's a phenomenal quarterback and I'm in love with him. And I watched him in his four or five games at Georgia last year and thought, yeah, that's the guy I saw. Don't you love uh, how little anecdotes, coverage anecdotes over our time covering sports really kind of skew how we view players, even when sometimes yeah. it's not backed up by anything? In the same way that I watched Justin Herbert all year last year be a genuinely above average NFL quarterback as a rookie, mm -hmm. but I will still think of him as the kid who overthrew a 10-year-old by 15 yards. <laughs> uh, does Ole Miss lose Matt Corral, Jerion Ely, Ben Brown, Nick Broker, Braylon Sanders, maybe Jeremy James? Do they lose all of those players after, off of this offense for next year? Very likely. Um, we'll see about Jeremy James. We'll see about Orlando Amana. Uh, I think that Corral and Ely kind of feel like foregone conclusions. I think that if you had to handicap it, Broker very easily could be the first one off the board of any of them. Um, and Ben Brown, it's just a question of what else does he have to achieve at Ole Miss? The answer might be a lot. The answer might be nothing. I have no clue. But yeah, you could you could very easily be looking at a 2022 Ole Miss offense that the production will have to come from Henry Parrish and a bunch of people we haven't talked about yet today. This time next year, I know it's a long ways away. Is Luke Altmeyer preparing to be the starter in game one or is their next quarterback not on the roster yet? I think that I would handicap it to be not on roster yet. Uh, just because it's so hard to pick anything like that. And when you are a system that has the reputations that Kiffins and Lebby's does, and who knows if Lebby will be here in 2022, I think that if the offense is as good as people think it will be, the answers to that will probably be no. 
but regardless of that, um, there are so, so many top flight colleges that have multiple talented quarterbacks and only one's going to start and somebody's going to enter the portal. I'm looking at you, Ohio State. I'm looking at you, um, LSU. I'm looking at you, these schools that over-recruit quarterbacks, uh, Georgia even. So we'll see. Uh, I think that they're going to get a quarterback out of the transfer portal regardless. But whether that person can beat out Luke Altmaier, uh, no clue. Well, looking around college football, because I don't know this, if you had to pick the next Joe Burrow that leaves the school and goes and has success at another school, Derek King, Justin Fields, who are those players on what rosters? You mentioned some schools, but who are we talking about here? I, Ohio State's probably the school to look at because they had a very lengthy quarterback competition this fall between, I believe, a former five-star and a former four-star, and then they bring in Quinn Ewers this year, who is the number one recruit in the country as a five-star. So there's probably going to be some movement from Ohio State like Joe Burrow did. Um, but beyond that, I mentioned Georgia because they signed a five-star last year, and I believe they have a five-star committed this year, uh, very similar to the Eason from Fields logjam they had a few years back. Uh, there always seem to be logjams at a USC. I don't know why. So I'm never going to bet against that. I don't know. Uh, if I was able to identify who the next Joe Burrow would have been, uh, I think I would be much richer. If I was able to identify the first Joe Burrow, <laughs> I, I mean, I, you wouldn't be on this story, podcast right now, right? Some of the people who uh, listen to this probably know I covered LSU for a little bit. My last official day covering LSU before the company I worked for went out of business was the day Joe Burrow committed. So I wrote the story of, oh, Joe Burrow is committed to LSU. And then the next day I got a call, hey, the company's going out of business. You have a month left. So I was sitting there like, oh, this Burrow kid, I, I do not have time to learn about him. And maybe I should have. Over, under, eight and a half wins for Ole Miss. Instinct says under, hmm. but I, I think they're an eight and four team, and I think that's totally fine. And anyone who says they would be disappointed by eight and four is a liar. But I, I mean, if you want to talk me into nine and three, I'll listen. If you want to talk me into 10 and two, I, I, I'm curious if you'd be picking them to beat LSU or picking them to beat A&M. But uh, I can listen to any of those. But just instinct for instinct, I think it's eight and four. How do they win more than eight games? <laughs> Not counting bowl games, of course. Yeah. Okay. If they win more than eight, that means you have to go four and zero in the non-conference. You got to beat Louisville and you got to beat Liberty. And then to get to nine from there, that means you beat everybody that isn't Alabama. LSU, Texas A&M. And if you're nine and three with those three losses being to those three teams, and then you have wins over Louisville, Liberty, Mississippi State, Arkansas, Auburn, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, and then Tulane and Austin P. Maybe that's a New Year's Six resume. Maybe that's a Citrus Bowl resume. Either way, it's probably a top 25 resume. Um, but unless you get one of those big, big marquee wins, the Alabama, the A&M, or the LSU, uh, I have no idea uh, how, how, you can, how you can talk like a guaranteed big-time bowl situation. If they do end up there at the end of the year, nine wins, ten wins, and I don't think they're going to win nine or ten games either, but if they did, how did they get there? Offensively, what did they do? Defensively, what went right? Uh, offensively, I think they did what they did last year. Defensively, they gave up less than 30 points a game. I mean, it's it's the simplest stat in the world. Teams that scored in the last five years 39 or more points per game, which is what Ole Miss scored last year, and gave up fewer than 30 points per game win 82% of their games, which in a 12-game schedule works out to about 10.3 wins a year. If their offense is as good as it was last year and the defense holds teams to about four touchdowns a game, they're going to win nine or 10 games. 
the question is just, can that happen? Can the defense be good enough to hold you to 28, 29 a game? What is the absolute disaster scenario for this team in your mind? Um, I, I think that it's going to be hard not to win five games. Uh, I think the disasters probably five and seven miss a bowl game, but I, I don't know. You look at the schedule. I know that anything can happen in any SEC game. You saw that last year when Ole Miss lost to Arkansas, but it feels like the bottom three teams on this schedule, your Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, feel like they are easy to pencil in. And then Austin Key and Tulane feel pretty easy to pencil in. So the disaster would be lose week one to Louisville, lose the gimme game, or not the gimme games, the, the big, big games in the SEC, your Alabama, LSU, A&M, lose the Egg Bowl, lose to Auburn. Is Liberty going to be uncomfortable? I I talked earlier about either my biggest or my second biggest take. My biggest take is that I think that's going to be college game day. Oh, I think that ES going to be ESPN is going to be on campus for a nine and zero Liberty team against probably a six and two Ole Miss team. I absolutely dread that week, Nick. It's going to be hard, but I I can't imagine a situation more tailor made for TV, more tailor made for primetime. Or Taylor than made a nine and Liberty team for the personality of Hugh Freeze because he's going to whore yeah. himself out to everybody and every outlet every day for a week. I have no idea why Ole Miss is still playing this game. I, you know as well as I do with the answer to that, but um, there's no yeah, upside though. A, there's no upside for Ole Miss. None. I All downside. Unless you beat a nine and team that's ranked number fourteen in the country. Yeah. That's still a good win. Ugh. Nick, I dread it. I dread it. But I always enjoy talking to you, my friend. He's at Nick Suss on Twitter. He covers Ole Miss for the Jackson Clarion Ledger. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate you. We'll talk again. Yes, we will. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.